Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, chaplain, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. If you have your Bibles, open them with me, please, to Revelation chapter 11. And I've battled back and forth whether to read the whole thing right now or go through it, but I think I should read the whole book. It's only 18 verses, 19 verses, because that's right, because we may not get there. (laughs) You You know me, sometimes I get stuck on a word and we may be at that word for a while. So let's read Revelation chapter 11 and beginning in verse 1. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it. For it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on all those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. 
And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in the temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. Thank you for bearing with me. What a chapter we have here. We have talked about the six seals and then there was an interlude and we saw the seventh. And we've talked about the seven trumpets and there is an interlude and here's the seventh. And we have in this the two witnesses. It's amazing what's happening in our day and age. When we think about it, and I didn't want to say too much in our Sunday school class because Brother Danny was getting right on this very topic, something is happening in our community that many are turning away from Christianity. And they're saying, well, we have no proof that there is a God and there many are turning to atheism thinking that that is the intelligent thing to do that only right thinking people say there is no God or we don't know if there's a God or not. And then we have the homosexual movement that has been really smart in the way that they have worked certain things because they have come and have sold their claim as a civil rights claim. So therefore, anyone who opposes homosexuality, now you are standing against their civil rights, and it's not a moral issue. Because they know if we stand upon moral issues, upon right and wrong, there's no basis. But if it's a civil rights issue, aha, now I have a civil right to do this, and they've gone through the courts. And therefore, if you disagree with them, you are a bigot. If you disagree with that kind of a lifestyle, then there's something wrong with your thinking and you are a hateful person. Now Christianity stands opposed to that kind of lifestyle. So we are seen as the problem. And that's the way our world is turning. It's not the world that I knew before I went to prison. I've come out in these last two years. It's been amazing how our world has changed. And you've been right there. You've seen this change. I believe that we have to be back like the Christians in the first century. We have to be like those Christians at Rome. Remember, Nero blamed the Christians at Rome for all of society's problems. That's what's happening in our day and age. That's what's happening now, is Christians are being blamed for the problem. My daughter, you know, is a teacher at Cal Poly, and there was a big press to get Chick-fil-A off of the campus. Chick-fil-A just has a little kiosk, and you can buy it there in the student union. But because this is a Christian organization, some of the students have been rallying and saying, no, we want Chick-fil-A out because they are a Christian organization. They're the problem. We see what's happening. We see the shift in society. That's why I say that we have to be like those Christians that were at Rome. 
I think we need to rethink our evangelism. And I've just really kind of come to this in the last few days. That we really need to be looking at our evangelistic effort as not only in our lifestyle, but we need to be doers of the word. Those early Christians went out and they made a difference in society. Newborn children that were unwanted, I should say, they were thrown in the dump. Well, the Christians would go and take those children and would raise them and find a family for them and they would, they would save that child. So you see, I think that we have to be not only living our Christian life, we need to have a lifestyle Christianity, but we need to have a doer mentality. We need to be doing the Word. We need to be showing people the hope that is within us. We need to be showing them. Now I've said all of that because we get into the two witnesses today. So that we can see how our world has shifted to where they would hate someone who would stand as a prophet of God. They would hate someone who would stand for the right. And that's the way our world is shifting. That evil is good and good is evil. That's the way they're looking at things. Everything is topsy-turvy. It's not as it was 20, 25 years ago. Things have changed dramatically. So who are the two witnesses? Well, I have my ideas and I have my thoughts. I'm going to tell you my ideas, my thoughts, but I don't know. One day we will know. Now, I'll tell you who I think they are, and I will tell you who many theologians think that they are. But until that day, we cannot be dogmatic. So even though I think I have a pretty good grasp on it, and I've always held to this, that when everybody sees things like I do and agrees with me, we get along. <laughs> right? I mean, how easy is that? Well, who are the two witnesses? We've been talking about this, and we are living in a post-Christian era. And the world is seeing Christianity as the problem this is coming a day and an age as we have seen so many things. Now this brings us right up to the middle point, not only of the book of Revelation, but the middle point of the seven years. We're right at that three and a half year. And these are given three and a half years to witness and to proclaim the truth. They are given the opportunities to speak of all these things. And we see the rise of demonic powers. We talked about how the demonic powers came up out of the Euphrates River. And of all of those things that we talked about in the last week, and we looked at some of those things and how the measuring was done, I think the Lord's churches are still here. I think the Lord's churches are here through half of the tribulation. I hope I'm wrong. I really want to be a first of the week. I really want to believe, think that at the beginning of that, we get translated. When John goes up to heaven, we get to go too. However, I think we're going to see some of this. And like I said, we cannot be dogmatic. So don't stone me when we leave. <laughs> we don't know. I don't see that we could go any farther than this. And I will give you scripture why. I will give you reasons why I don't think it could be any farther than halfway through or before the wrath of God. Because after all, Scripture says we are not appointed under the wrath of God. The last three and a half years, I learned this from Brother Christian, where Haitha lifts us, Hamagalim. 
The last years are the tribulation the great, where the wrath has come. We read about that just a moment ago in verse 18, because he says the wrath has come. Going to be there any past that. But I'll show you why I think we are up to that point. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org org or biblelandmarks.com you can also reach us at p.o box 837 valley springs california 95252 please contact us with comments questions or to receive handouts and printed material we look forward to hearing from you now back to the podcast the lord's churches will be greatly reduced by numbers because there will be open desertion in these days. That's why I wanted you to see some of the things that have, are happening in society so that we could understand why there will be open desertion in the Lord's churches. Because after all, if you are being persecuted for your beliefs and for your stand, then and if I'm not quite so sure about my stand, then why would I want to go and put up with that? Why would I want to go and put up with being persecuted as being a part of the problem? Being associated with that. Do you see that idea? And so there will be great desertion and it begins with a professed indifference to any form of Christianity. And then they're saying, well, there is tolerance. We have to have tolerance in our world and there has to be this pretended toleration that goes far beyond what is true biblical tolerance. Because we can hate sin and love the sinner. We can stand against certain things and still want to encourage and help people while still standing against wrong. Governments will pretend an indifference and they will give protection and all establishments that will be set aside and from this toleration of the most grievous heresies, they will proceed to tolerate atheism, homosexuality, Islam, and all sorts of things, and yet Christianity will become the target. Christianity will become that which they're saying, we can't be tolerant of that because you are, you are into the intolerant, bigoted people. So in these times, those true Christians, their whole conduct has to be strictly by the Word of God. And merely nominal Christians will desert their professions of truth and they'll go off into the ways of the world. And all of the world is going to be just happy in their life. They eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Look at verse 3. It says, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So for three and a half years, the two witnesses will be there. They work for this three and a half years that brings them right up to that middle point. And power was given to them. Who are these that power is given to? It says literally... I will give power, and the word power actually comes from verse 6. Maybe you have a different version. It literally says, I will give my two witnesses, and power has been inserted in my King James. And some of the other versions may say, like 
uh, New American Standard says, I have given them authority. NIV says, I appoint them. But all carry the idea of this is God's hand. This is God's approval. These are God's witnesses. They're standing there working and definitely as opposing the Antichrist. They are definitely standing for what is right. There is an unfailing testimony for three and a half years. And who are they? These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. This is why I believe there are two New Testament churches made up of saved Jews. That's who I think the new two witnesses are. Two actual congregations, two groups of people that are made up of saved Jews. And why do I think that? Well, from Revelation 1 and 20, and you see that in your notes that I've given you. It tells us the definition of the lampstand. The angels are the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Proper Bible interpretation, if the Bible gives a definition in one place, and especially in one book, that definition follows somewhere else. I've had lots of discussion. I would like to go back to seminary where I knew it all. When I was in seminary, I had all the answers. I could argue this and argue that. And I'm not so dogmatic anymore. I'm not so firm anymore. But I have to say that I think that these are probably two New Testament churches because of what it says in Revelation 1.20. And if a lampstand is a church in chapters 2 and 3, then in chapter 11, a lampstand is a church. I think it just follows his Bible interpretation. However, there's good evidence that these may be two prophets, two actual people, much like Elijah and Moses. As a matter of fact, the rabbis have an idea that before Messiah comes, that Elijah and Moses would come back. Well, they did. When Jesus was here on the Mount of Transfiguration, they didn't see it. They didn't know it, but Jesus did see it. He was transfigured and Moses and Elijah were there. And of course, we know John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And so when they thought Elijah was going to come, Elijah has come. But they're still looking for Moses and Elijah. And you know, these two prophets would fit that because after all, they do the very things that Moses and Elijah did. Do you remember on Mount Carmel? Elijah calls the 450 prophets of Baal. And there's been three and a half years because one man, Elijah, prayed and there was no rain. Three and a half years, no rain in Israel. And remember Ahab said, are you he who troubles Israel? <laughs> of God was seen as the problem. You see these two witnesses are seen by the world that you're the problem. That's why I wanted you to see what's happening in our world today because they're going to see you as the problem just as they saw Elijah as that problem. Just as they saw that in the old days. And it was amazing because they built the altar and the test was going to be let's see who sends fire from heaven. Now these two prophets speak and fire comes from their mouth. I've never heard a sermon, and maybe Brother Chris, maybe you have, uh, of somebody who's taken 12 jars and poured it on the altar. 
that there was such drought in the land. Where did they get 12 jars of water? 12 big barrels of water. There was drought for three and a half years. How did you get three barrels of water to pour on the altar? That would have been a precious thing. Well, that's a whole other subject. That kind of is a thing that we look at here with the two witnesses because fire proceeds from their mouth and I take this literally. I have to take the Bible literally where, especially in the book of Revelation, where we can. I think when they speak, boom, people die. Fire comes out. And those that oppose them, they have the power of God. Remember what happened with Moses' sister, Miriam, when she spoke against Moses? She got leprosy. And she's on God's side. <laughs> she was on the right, but she just spoke against it. You see, there is power with the Lord. There is might with God. And these two witnesses have the power of God that they can shut up heaven like Elijah. They could bring plagues like Moses. And of course, those were all done by the power of God. It wasn't done by those prophets. It wasn't done by those men. And so they see that these men, and maybe they are two actual churches made up of Jews, and all of them working in one accord as one person. You see, the church like that church at Jerusalem where they were all together, they were all in one accord, and they could get together. I remember times when our churches would get together and we would pray because we hadn't had rain in so long. And I remember one time we met, we sat down for prayer. We left on a Wednesday night and it was raining. It hadn't been raining for months. That was the answer of God. Now, that wasn't a miracle. That was... It was God's hand. It was God answering prayer. But these people are going to be working miracles. In the last days, there will be miracles being worked again. These two witnesses are doing them. And when God is through with them, look at verse 7. And when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at scl.com of ministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.